This is an episode of The Politics Show for UPSU Radio, recorded on the 28th of September, 2012. For more information about The Politics Show, or to listen again, go to www.thepoliticsshow.com. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. There's no easy way to say I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. Hello, welcome to The Politics Show. In today's show, we discuss the recent rise in tuition fees, how university is changing, for better or for worse. Also, we talk about the fortunes of the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, the prospects of the Liberal Democrats, and yes, that apology. Finally, we bring you some stories from Afghanistan in our international focus of the week. Hello, I'm Michael Turner, and joining me in the studio today is Bartosz Ruszkiewicz and Ben Nutt. Welcome to you both. Hi. Okay, so uh, before we get on to our topics then, should we have a quick look at the papers? Uh, Bartosz, I believe you've got the mirror. Yeah, I had a long long break from uh, looking through these papers. <laughs> I did not look at Mirror, Sun Lucky or Daily you. Mail in a while. But to be honest with you, I found out that I did not miss anything. <laughs> um, well, the top story of Daily Mirror is uh, Megan and the teacher. Yes. So yeah. the whole case of... Uh, teacher um it's a 30 year old teacher 50 year old student i don't student. think it was an abduction abduction as such. it's still called an abduction so i, I we will see what uh, what happens but as we know they were found today in bordeaux in france mm. uh, but i think it's more interesting to look at the additions to uh, to uh, daily mirror and there are <laughs> hundreds of deals in store now especially a multifunctional function keyboard for only 29.99 wow that's great yeah, I know. That's, 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 that's probably more important than what they have uh, ben, you've got, well, I'd probably say a least interesting uh, paper of yeah, the lot. I've got the Daily Mail. Um, away from its usual comments about cancer, uh, they've decided to talk about dementia on the front page okay. um, and the, the risk that people have of getting it from certain sleeping tablets. Um, um. More, than, more than a million Britons are significantly at risk of dementia due to a certain sleeping pill that's on sale, according to a research from Harvard University. Okay, all right so. then. Um, well, I've got uh, The Guardian, and The Guardian on the front page today is leading with one of the topics we'll be discussing later, um, that about Afghan schools that were built by the British forces uh, are now going to be closed because they are too expensive for the Afghan government to keep running, which is unfortunate. Um, and also, um, there is a little story about Ed Balls, um, saying that they're going to do a complete spending review. That's what they're going to offer, basically, uh, for the 2015 election, a complete spending review. Um, it sounds as if, as if they're trying to yeah, attract over some voters there, a bit of baiting, but um, I'm not sure what will come of it. I think it's probably just going towards um, George Osborne, to be honest. Easy to do. And you've also got The Telegraph, haven't you, Ben? Yes, um, which comments on how food bills in the UK are rising faster than the rest of Europe. 32% increase in the price of food since 2007. It is actually noticeable, yeah. to be honest yeah. with you. That's not a, not a lie. Yeah. Well, which is a bit of a shame. But um, seeing as we've got quite a lot to cover in today's topics, um, I think we'd best push on 
Uh, thanks for going through those. Uh, let's start off with uh, universities. Uh, we're all at one. Um, and, yeah, basically, the fees have gone up this year, and it's the perfect opportunity to um, have a discussion, if you like, about what people are getting for the extra £6,000 a year that they'll be paying compared to their predecessors. What they are getting is we don't know yet. Yeah, <laughs> We will true. find out after that year, this year. Uh, we're only... Well, the students have only started this year. It was this week of um, induction, but the actual lectures and seminars did not start till next, uh, till next week. So, yeah. so there is still some time to uh, to think about that <laughs> and uh, think about what we accept, expect from from the university. Yeah. At the moment, we don't really know what the significant difference is going to be between this year and last. Okay, we're at the turning point now, but certainly higher education has changed over the last decade or so, uh, I f first started university paying just £1,000 to £1,200 a year fee, um, and you, you know, that was nine, no, it was eight years ago now. Uh, it's it's quite a, while, a short it? space, yeah, it's been a bit <laughs> a too long. Uh, um, in such a short space of time, it's not just the fees that have changed, but also would you say that our approach to how higher education should work, should function? Well, I just wanted to say that it in my case, it's similar. I've been here at Plymouth University, with Plymouth University now for about seven years. But uh, my sister started the year before me. She only, she only finished her graduate. She, uh, she stopped afterwards. But her school, we're EU students. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she hasn't paid anything for, uh, for doing her undergraduate. Right. I was already in the, in the wave where we had to pay a certain tuition fee, which was around three grand. And then afterwards, the, you could, we could see every... Every year, the fees were going up and up, mm. and we had these occupied protests at Plymouth University with Plymouth University as well. Uh, so we had separate rooms. Students would sit in the rooms, and they have had these quiet Gandhi-like protests. There, there, as there well. were there were quite <laughs> quite a few protests. Uh, uh, that is clear uh, about the fees going up. Um, it, it, are students just going to take this? Because regardless of what. From the university's perspective, nothing has ultimately changed. It says they're still getting the same amount of money. It's just a different source where it's coming from now, whereas the majority of the money is coming from the taxpayer. Now um, the majority is coming from the individual. How is that going to change um, education, the, the, the way we deliver education and what students expect? Are students going to change that? I was going to say, I think students' expectations might increase towards teaching. If they're paying £9,000 a year, I think they're going to um, expect to receive better teaching, more context hours maybe, more right. uh, probably expect more from the academics on the teaching yep. front, right? whereas before they probably were quite happy to just accept what they were given because it was just accepted as the norm. Right. I think because this is the year that's going to show that, what Ben said. I think this one year we need that to see whether students are expecting more. Yeah. and whether the university is, is going to have to give them more. Because there are certain people who are used to a certain routine that, that's been going on for years. Uh, and, and this sudden increase in tuition fees is going to make students think, okay, I'm paying £9,000. Do I actually want to do a go for a university degree for three years, pay so much money, and end up in such debt after yeah. three years? In our pre-show discussion that we had, uh, I mean, Ben, you raised the point that students aren't really going to care about whether their their lecturers are doing high quality research 
because it, they're they're paying a high fee for them to attend and, and study alongside them. So they're going to want the support there. Uh, how do we think that higher education is going to change in terms of the relationship that the student has with their with high profile academics, for instance? Well, I think um, not so much at Plymouth, but I think at other institutions, I think the students are going to start expecting more contact hours with the big names. Yeah. So if you were to go to the LSE or somewhere, you'd expect, if you were paying £9,000, you'd expect to have actual modules run by these leading academics. As for, if you were going to, to do astrophysics, for instance, yeah. you probably, um, and you're at Manchester, you'd want contact time with Brian Cox. Yeah. Well, as opposed to one of his PhD students or a postdoc student working under him. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be how it's changed. And I think they're going to expect more from the teaching. So th I think you might see a change from the university's focus away from research into more providing good quality higher education. Yeah. Already, I've noticed as someone who's applying for the kind of the lecturing and uh, research uh, jobs up and down the country, I've noticed that there are a lot of jobs now that are specifically um, the remit specifically says teaching only. Um, it seems as if the quick fix at the moment is that universities are trying to uh, hire in people just to be able to teach and deliver and, and deliver that contact time that we talked about. Um, so. If you had to give some advice then to uh, students, particularly in the social science, that have just come along this year about how to make the most out of their, their out of higher education, what advice would you give I, I them? I would just say that it is different to when I started my undergraduate over here in Plymouth. Um, students seem to have started their education earlier. They, they do not wait till year two, till second year, to decide what they're going to do with their degree. Many of the students have decided that first year is the one that there's so many students right now that you have to decide and specify what your interests are in the first year. There's no more legroom, as you, yeah. if you may say. You have to start thinking about what what are your interests in this political uh, particular discipline. Yes, yeah, sure. And and quite quickly, like start organizing yourself because uh, this is uh, you know you're paying for for a degree and you want to be um, well, not a master at it yet, an undergraduate degree, but you want to know where you want to go with this. Right, yeah. And because of the high fee, people are going to start, obviously, you know, rationalising its worth, doing cost-benefit analysis to see whether or not it's going to actually get them anywhere. Uh, we've not actually seen... A, we've seen a significant drop in numbers, but not a significant number of students at university. It's going to be the sim similar sort of number of students as there were. I think as years go by, Ed, but this is only my opinion, it's going to be the case where many people after say GCSEs or whatever uh, there's going to be the final exams from uh, from uh, pre-university levels um, there's going to be some time when students are uh, the um, young people are going to give them some time to decide on what they actually like and maybe start looking at the discipline and learning more about it before going into uh, to the university rather than going into university and then in, like finding their niche in that uh, in that discipline. Yeah. So so it's more about becoming slow, slightly more proficient at what you're doing, more interested in your subject. Yeah. It, 
One of the interesting uh, debates that I got into with another gentleman before the show actually was uh, about what parts of the university are, uh, education are going to start changing now. And it's clear that the government has withdrawn its support from the social sciences in particular um, and the humanities uh, in, in terms of what the funding is directed toward, more towards the sciences. Now, it's clear where the benefit, the financial benefit, is for medical students or for dentistry students, uh, biologists, etc., um, and some, some of the more vocational um, d degrees which are required in order for you to be able to um, go on into that career. But perhaps for someone studying geography or for someone that's studying arts or, you know, or politics, for instance, uh, uh, it might not necessarily be so clear. Will we see, uh, are we seeing, going to see a decline uh, in, in the popularity of these courses because they are, become less financially attractive for, for students, ultimately? I honestly think we have already. I honestly think we have, and, and many of the young people, many of young people just know already that they have to go into a specific degree uh, like uh, they know that they're going to get a job out of right after university because simply because the state doesn't want to fund such courses as in arts such such courses as in, as in social sciences and we have all felt that in a way that it seems to be more difficult to be able to uh, um, you know, get into a specific career right of after course. university level, even higher university levels, so such as master's degree or even PhD. Um, anyway, so final remarks then. Uh, any advice for students that are just come to university, how to make the most of it? I mean, sorry, one, one last thing. Just really get involved. Yeah. Get involved in, <laughs> yeah. in different things around the university. You have to do much more outside of the, the box, if I may say, just outside of your modules. Yeah. yeah. And speak to your lecturers. They, they probably won't like us for saying it, but they probably don't actually mind if, for the hours that they put aside to see students, those hours are filled. So right. don't wait until your third year or the end of your second year before you actually get in contact with your right. lecturers and discuss things that you might not understand. Don't only go and talk to them about things that you understand. Talk to them about things that you don't understand and make the most of having these experts there. And just get involved with the politics show because it's one of the opportunities for <laughs> the course. future. Of well. course, of course they so, should. Such are, are things. If we're we're going to start doing the movies, the yeah. movie nights, political movie nights, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, there will be plenty of information about how the politics show are going to try and expand students' minds from all areas of university at later uh, in the year. Anyway, um, I think we should move on now. Anyway, uh, after that little plug. Um, We've got, well, we've been waiting this for this for a long time, but it's finally come. Um, we're talking about Nick Clegg, the rise and I suppose the cringeworthy fall uh, of the leader of the Liberal Democrats. Um, according to YouGov, he is now officially uh, the least popular leader of a major British political party since Michael Foote. Um, and, well, you know, he was literally propping up the bottom of the order there. Um, so... He's recently come on television uh, with a televised apology for Liberal Democrat uh, voters. I, I think mainly directed at students, really, that, that turned around and voted for him uh, because of his uh, pledge to vote against any rise in top-up fees. And obviously, uh, listeners will be aware from the jingle that we just came in with today that there has been a, a fantastic um, song made out of it by Polk. Uh, but more importantly... He's dealt quite well with the abuse. We're midway through the, time, the Parliament this year. I think he's, he's still here. 
Um, and he, he, he's putting up a bit of a fight, isn't he, at, at the conference. Um, let's just list some of the things that he's had to deal with over, over these two and a half years in government. You know, the first Liberal government, uh, you know, first major contributor to government for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, he's had to put up with uh, having to back down on tuition fees is the, That's obviously the main the headline. that sticks in your mind. He lost, policy. or would appear to have lost, a referendum on electoral reform. Yes. Uh, Lords reform. He had ended up having to chuck that out. Um, what didn't we say? There's a whole list. Yeah, we, there we... is a whole list, but it's not. It's not. It, he seems to be getting pushed around with a lot of quite. Let's say the Liberal Democrats have been associated with quite uh, left policy, leftish policy, yeah. and the the <clears> problem <throat> is now. I think that the because of they come into coalition with the government, they're being associated they are now. The government, okay. That's right. The big coming to coalition with the Conservatives. Sorry, um, the problem that we have now is that they are being associated slightly more with the right, which is unexpected. Um, it's not done his personal polling any good, um, but what about the the party? I mean, the party typical typically students who aren't quite popular. Some it, of the students we've been talking to today. There's a very corrupt view of, of Liberal Democrats because you don't know what to associate them with today. Uh, there are people who are leaning more to the left that uh, completely cut themselves off, themselves off. I mean, I've, I've been trying to read some of the comments on Clegg's um, uh, speeches, and, and some people say, look, you lost my vote, at even not even during the, the government, but even before when you decided to you know, team up with the Conservatives. Yeah, yeah. So I think what's interesting is before 2010, I think you were beginning to see the emergence of the Liberal Democrats with sort of their own ideas. But as you've seen them join with the Conservatives in the coalition, I think the division in the party that existed from the foundings of the Liberal Democrats, so you've got the Social Democrats who are obviously more left and then the Economic Liberals who are obviously more on the right, yeah. has become more apparent. I think before 2010... The, this division wasn't as apparent, but now it's sort of still. Right, we we certainly know a lot more about them. They've certainly had this kind of right, uh, you know, uh, heightened profile. Uh, but th I think this 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 thing where you talk about Bart about how people are unsure what they stand for is probably key. Uh, they they they're trying at the moment to carve out a particular perspective, a particular direction of what they are and who they, what they stand but, for. But I would say. We struggle to understand what they stand for. I think they equally struggle to understand what they stand for themselves. Yep. I think they've come into coalition with the Conservatives, and then I think certain members of the party are saying, well, actually, no, we don't agree on all policies. And I'm just slightly worried for Liberal Democrats that they might be carved by both parties, both main parties. So yeah. so you can see that their the niche that they're trying to carve for a Liberal Democrats and their own agenda is slightly uh, less, um, it's slightly more shallow and it's being taken apart by uh, both Conservatives and by the... Um, by the there certainly is the pressure that they're getting bullied around in government by the Conservatives. The problem you have is as soon as they come up with any sort of idea that appears to be good it's immediately adopted by the two other major parties anyway i mean the guardian so, today was arguing that maybe 
it, it may be for a long time it was it seemed that Nick Clegg is not guilty that it's not his fault but today it's been clearly stated that maybe it is just Nick Clegg that he's yeah. not politically uh, mature enough like he needs more experience to be on as a leader of, of a major party uh, in government in government as well yeah Okay. Um, I suppose the um, argument against kind of getting rid of Nick Clegg is who, is your, who would you replace him with? There doesn't seem to be anyone in the cards. Vince Cable would be, a, you know, uh, an idiot to take the job. I would <laughs> well, say. It's yeah. political, in this political climate, it's not very healthy to do political that. Suicide. Yeah. Um, but there still is uh, plenty of rumour knocking around that Nick Clegg is probably going to move into European Parliament for the 2014 elections and hide out there. That is an opportunity. That is certainly a possibility. I mean, for him. Would, I think he would be good over there. He's a he's a pro European politician. Yeah. He's uh he is a well look from me looking out from the EU from just waving over there from across <laughs> the pond. Hello, hello. Uh, Nick Clegg seems to be a person that uh, is very is is willing to join with Europe to to build a, a stronger relationship. You know that recently we had that meeting of 11 leaders of the European unions that cut out yeah. <laughs> Britain out of it. Yeah, Britain's been cut out of that. Uh, I think the, the rumours are, are just a demonstration that Clegg feels that if he was to stand in a parliamentary election that he might or most probably will not get elected again. Yeah. Whereas if he goes to European elections, it's done on a party list, therefore he's almost guaranteed a seat in the European Parliament whereas he sits in Parliament he's going to have to run on his own and we could end up with a Neil Hamilton yeah. in Nutsford uh, we've just had the Liberal Democrat conference and uh, well the majority of uh, conference goers were quite supportive of Nick uh, now that could be because there's no real uh, you know opposition to him it could be that they're just trying to save face but in reality, what are the prospects um, of a Liberal Democrat party under Nick Clegg in 2015? Um, we're halfway through Parliament now. We probably can't get any worse than this, although um, I've probably just, you know, <laughs> just, just ruined that now. But, 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 yeah, we probably can't get any worse than this. I, I mean, if you stuck it out, the Liberal Democrat, you know, we're heading for a coalition. If, if we had an election tomorrow, the polls say we will have another hung Parliament. So that doesn't necessarily so, mean so, another coalition. Though. Okay, I've got right. a, I've got a question then. So, what are the options for um, Lib Dems to gain more popularity? Because until 2015, did they have any, have any new any proposals that could make them popular? Anything that could go through the parliament that could give them Nick, Nick Clegg, uh, you know, upper hand, and later on become a leader that's not, uh, you know, the least popular in years and years. Yeah, I suppose there's very minimal. They, they, the only major um, reforms they managed to be able to get through are tax, um, which still, still helps They're the poorest the most. They're still fighting about that as well. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, probably not. Uh, and it depends whether or not the, the Conservatives managed to turn this around and turn it on the on the Liberal Democrats to say, look, these are the guys that are stopping us from getting on with the business of government. Uh, at the moment, David Cameron, like he said on the Letterman show the, the other night, he's very unpopular and so is George Osborne and and, so, and, the, and the Conservatives mm-hmm. so they're, they're in a kind of vulnerable position as well so there's a real internal battle going on in the coalition anyway um, yes I suppose we might as well just very briefly talk about that apology uh, um, you know, many students have probably heard it by now there's been a, a really successful meme that's come out now um, from it uh, which is hopefully 
going to raise money for charity. Um, apparently they asked Nick Clegg whether or not they could turn it into a song and release it, and he said yes. Uh, could that actually turn out to be a, a positive for him? Could that turn out to be an you know, electoral benefit, make him more popular? I don't really have no. a say on that. <laughs> I, I, I just think I, so, no. But I think, as we, I think we discussed it yesterday, I think any publicity, any publicity is good publicity for Nick Clegg right now. <laughs> so, and, and I mean even... Uh, at the cost of ridiculing yourself, like ridiculing yourself, yeah. people may look at you in a positive way. You know that it, it just says something that he felt the need to release a TV apology. I think it just sort of sunk into him. Actually, we but have I, not I, kept to what we said we were going to do. But I think I think we're also we have to be maybe look at Nick Clegg as as maybe a true liberal democrat he feels that he failed he, he honestly must feel that he failed to defend the people that he was you know he was associating himself with yeah. maybe he wants to apologize because in, deep inside maybe that, that's this political instinct that we have lost in looking at american elections he feels that he failed in what he promised yeah. and he actually wants to tell people Look, I'm really sorry about that. As he sang that, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> he, he, let's well, say was, he I didn't was, sing. He, he didn't, didn't mean to <laughs> yeah. break all his promises, or yeah, he didn't but, mean uh, to promise things that he knew uh, down the line. This, this is the, the classic question. We were having a debate about before we were going into this, sh into this show. Should a party that un unex doesn't expect, it, let's say, no, the Liberal Democrats in no, you know, uh, in no scenario were the Liberal Democrats ever going to win government outright, but yet they put forward this policy and their excuse. For making those promises is what is that they it, under a liberal democrat government, liberal democrat led government, they would have enacted these policies, but that wasn't going to happen. So then, should they have ever made that promise? So they were making idle, idle promises to gain votes. <laughs> call it, call me a cynic, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I I'm going to call you a cynic right now. Yeah, okay. Um, cynic. But, but it, it, that. That begs the question, if they know they're not going to ever get full into a position where they can lead a government, then what's the point in them um, running in elections anyway? True. They might as well go for True. extreme views that we see in some of the other minor parties yeah. and try and gain... Yeah. That, is that, a, that is a fair point. Okay, it? well, uh, Nick Clegg's first half of the term has been quite sad. Okay, if you want evidence of this, and all you have to do is Google Nick Clegg looking sad. There's some great websites of just pictures full of uh, the frowning Deputy Prime Minister. Um, let's hope that the next half is a more cheery um, half of well, the parliament. It can't be any worse. Well, so. Well, that, that, that's the bet, anyway. Uh, and let's move on to our international focus this week, which is um, Afghanistan. Um, as we near the complete withdrawal of NATO troops from Afghanistan, uh, Kabul um, has the unenviable task, I suppose, of uh, keeping a country that has been ravaged by war over the past decades, um, keeping them safe, keeping them healthy, uh, making sure that they have opportunity for education and prosperity. Uh, this is an extremely difficult task, and the signs that we've had so far of Afghani democracy have not been good. Um, but could you try and like inform some of our listeners as to why Afghani democracy has been pretty poor so far? I mean, I, I don't think I need to uh, inform as such. I, I wouldn't give people the entire story, but what I can say is that uh, we have seen quite a few disturbing 
um, yep. images and some uh, some problems with uh, votes, voting in the polls and obviously uh, elections being rigged, which was obviously suppressed by American government and by uh, by other international media trying to say, look, this is what we have to deal with. Uh, Hamid Karzai seems to be the only option, the only person that can unite people in Afghanistan at the moment. So, so they rigged the elections. So they sure. allowed rigging of the elections for the stability. So what we're dealing with is a very difficult political situation in Afghanistan because uh, the leader doesn't have uh, support, any leader uh, apart from Karzai, who already doesn't have support in the entire Afghanistan. No other leader has support across the country as well. So we have to uh, take you know, the best of uh, what we have, I mean, what Af Afghanistan has, it's, it's um, Karzai, I suppose. Mm. But um, schooling is a completely different aspect. It's just one part of, of uh, a nation-building process over there. Yeah. And um, I don't know whether I'm going to skip the question, but, but by uh, allowing ourselves to uh, omit the subject of schooling and of unification of the nation through education. Sorry, that was a rhyming over there. <laughs> We're losing Afghanistan. No, let's let's actually go to that now. Um, so basically, there's articles out today about the um, the British Army built schools um, in uh, is it Helmand Province? Yeah. Yeah, and basically they're being closed down. Why are they being closed down? Well, they're not being closed down as such. What's happened is that Britain built 60 schools in and around the Hel Helmand area. But what's happening is I at think the moment... I think it's not 60, but... It, it, at the number. moment, they're being funded by Britain and NATO. But obviously, as the withdrawal happens, yes. then... Is that funding going to be withdrawn? Yes. Yeah, OK. And it's going to be left to Afghanistan, who don't have the economic stability or the economic might yeah. to fund these schools. So... Yeah, it, it just simply came out today that um, the government, um, Afghan, Afghani government, if we may, we could call that this way because it's not a whole consent of, of Afghani people voting for the government. Yeah. Uh, government said that they will not be able to pay for as many schools, and not only schools, but also um, healthcare, uh, which has been either restored after the war or um, or has been built by British British troops and, and British personnel. Uh, so the, the problem here is that many of the rural uh, institutions may be closed from, from soon onwards. Okay, yeah. Um, so we've, we've, we've talked about how infrastructure is incredibly difficult. Can you also explain about, say, the role of the Taliban um, in Afghanistan? Do they still have a role? I mean, have, the, have NATO managed to be able to turn them at all? We keep hearing about these green on blue attacks in the press. I mean, what, what does that mean, first of all? green on blue I just um, it's been going on like uh, every few uh, months there, there yeah. are con continuous attacks and they're um, involving different aspects of life. Afghan police yeah, yeah Afghan police being involved in um, shooting, shooting on uh, NATO slash British slash American personnel yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are still Polish troops even in Afghanistan. It's not that. It's not a, a widely known, a widely known fact. But yeah. uh, Americans don't even know that. But uh, <laughs> I have to say that yeah. uh, the, the whole problem is that the education system is very important yes, because yeah. if Americans have have gone through that phase, I have to mention that. And I'm going to mention a film that was made, uh, which only brings information to people who completely don't know that America was involved 
in helping uh, Taliban remove the Soviet troops during uh, the war in, in the year 1980 mm. between Soviet Union and Afghanistan, um, which was aggression um, led by, by the Soviet Union. Um, and afterwards, America did not follow up on that. They did not uh, put any money forward to uh, build infrastructure, to help schooling system, to help any other, uh, to help local administration, anything in Afghanistan which led eventually to extremist, extremism rising yes. in Afghanistan. At this moment, we're dealing with the same problem. So after the war, after the country has been completely destroyed yeah. during, during the years, seven, eight years of, of uh, not, I'm not going to call it occupation, but there are troop, foreign there's, there's, troops there's in a, the country. A significant, there was at one point a significant number of troops from, people uh, from need Western to be People need to be educated. People need to learn about who they are, where they are. Democracy. A democracy. Because people telling me that democracy is already running in Afghanistan obviously don't know what they're talking about because there is no democracy at this moment. Because no, no, like there are areas no of unity. I think we were, no we were unity. having a joke about the paper earlier on talking about how someone's talking about local democracy in Afghanistan. Yeah, there, there is no such thing as local democracy. People, uh, there are nations. There, that's not one nation. We're thinking about democracy in terms of Western democracy. Mm. And these people do not find, uh, as I mentioned before, there is no common destiny there. People don't find, understand their belonging to Afghanistan. They have their tribal belonging. But this takes time. These yes. things take time. I mean, even if you look at America, America signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, yep. but you probably could argue that they didn't become a United State until well after the Civil War. So Which that's almost 50 years, 50, more 60 than that. years. Yeah. 70, 70 years even. Yeah. But this in mind, is it kind of wise then that we should be withdrawing so sharply? Should we have some sort of full presence that's going to help? Or do we need some sort of regional... It, uh, is our... Double dip recession. <laughs> I just have to mention that. Is, is having troops in Afghanistan the best way to help them develop their own identity and I don't think it is I th but I think to completely withdraw without maintaining some sort of infrastructural support be it like well, a who UN like a UN led um, government uh, advisory panel like you have in Bosnia what I mean is money like by double double recession the whole world is struggling with money and Afghanistan came off the front pages of papers a long time ago Nobody is willing to spend a lot of money to help uh, develop... Um, Not only money, but casualties. Yeah. Yeah. But as casualties increase, people, people's uh, attitudes towards it... Their sympathy uh, towards that yeah, is going to diminish. Why are, well. yeah. well, it's very common to it's, hear why are troops dying yeah, when we're trying to support this. We're trying to support... We're <laughs> they're trying to be supportive, um, yet Afghan police... We keep hearing stories of Afghan police shooting yeah. NATO troops. Some of the, the intel on that is because of the significant cultural differences between the forces which are training up the police um, and obviously the, the, the trainees. We, ha we have to also understand that the, there's distrust on the other side. We had an American troop uh, who went around the houses a few months yeah. ago shooting yeah. people, uh, just targeting people in the, uh, while they were sleeping yeah. so uh, we have to understand that there is just no mutual trust yeah it certainly is a tricky one and uh, whilst public opinion is kind of against the war perhaps then it's going to be more difficult for governments to 
have actually some sort of permanent, more permanent-ish presence there to be able to kind of steward. We we have to probably we have to probably figure out a way of uh, maybe creating um, um, a new system which is not going to be a military uh, occupation. kind of uh, kind of um, system but something more of uh, help with administration such as European Union had for example before it entered Eastern European countries so maybe uh, certain subsidies support help with um, with administration or how to develop towards becoming a European Union state I think this has moved now from being a security issue yes yeah favoring NATO yeah to, it now needs other administrative, more governmental-focused organisations to take take stock of what's happened. So we have the so United many nations, the um, the Arab League, or but we have uh, so many NGO organisations which need to be openly involved in Afghanistan because uh, without that, we we just cannot simply <coughs> rely on the military. Military scares people. It will be difficult, and there will be casualties. We have to be aware of that. Yeah. But process such as nation building, and in this part of the world, will require sacrifice. And but na- nation building needs to come from inside Afghanistan. It can't exactly. be thrust on them from. The it outside. cannot be what America wanted and force democratization. People have to believe and understand what it means first before they actually. Em- conform to it okay well we'll wait in hope i suppose but with that i suppose we should leave it there uh, if any of our listeners would like to listen again uh, to any of our shows actually um or read articles and blogs um you only have to go to thepoliticshow.com that's poly with a y um with that i'll say thank you to our panel to bartosz Rishkevich and ben nuts thank you very much thank you very thank much you. Uh, my name is michael turner thanks for listening I'd like to take this opportunity to put a few things straight. When I meet people around the country, it's obvious that many of you have strong and pretty mixed reactions to some of the things that Liberal Democrats have done in government. Many of you tell me that you're glad that at a time of real economic uncertainty, we put aside our political differences to provide our country with stable leadership. But I also meet people who are disappointed and angry that we couldn't keep all our promises. We couldn't keep all our promises. Above all, our promise not to raise tuition fees. And to those people, I say this. We made a promise before the election that we would vote against any rising fees. We would vote against any rising fees. We would vote against any rising fees. It was a pledge made with the best of intentions. The best of intentions. But we shouldn't have made a promise. We weren't absolutely sure we could deliver. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. There's no easy way to say it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. There's no easy way to say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When we're wrong, we hold our hands up. But when we're right, we hold our heads up too. You learn from your mistakes, and that's what we will do. I accept that won't be enough for everyone, but I owe it to you. You learn from your mistakes, and that's what we will do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. There's no easy way to say it. I'm sorry. 
And if we've lost your trust, that's how I hope we can start to win it back. <laughs> 